Hey, welcome back to the C3 Podcast. This is John McKinley, your host, and this week, Pastor Robin's continuing our series, A Year to Thrive. Here's a short clip of that. We hope you enjoyed today's message, and if you'd like, go to c3pottstown.com and plan a visit to join us in person next Sunday. During my teenage years, where I grew up, I lived out in the valley, we would have sleepouts. Uh, the guys, maybe a couple, three times a summer. And during those sleepouts, sometimes we'd roll out our sleeping bags in someone's yard and we'd lay on them and just gaze up into the stars. We'd point out different constellations. Occasionally, we'd see a a shooting or a falling star. But back in those days, we never really thought about it being God's creation. I don't know if you get up early in the morning and leave before the sun rises, but if you do, maybe you've noticed this time of year, there's an early morning, bright morning star. Um, Let's see, east is that way. It's, It's right up in this area in the eastern sky. And I looked it up because I wanted to know what it was, and it's actually the the planet Venus. You know, when we appreciate something as magnificent as these twinkling, glimmering stars coming into focus, knowing that some of them are are like millions of light years away, it's humbling, inspiring, and awe-filling all at the same time. The beauty of God's creation reflects his majesty and holiness, his goodness. And there's no other response we can give him except for praise him and worship the one who made them all. And we just did that. We sing holy, holy, holy. Hallelujah. And there's no doubt as if answering Isaiah's question, he said, look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? And we find the answer in Amos. He says, it is the Lord who created the stars, the Pleiades and the Orion. He turns darkness into morning and day into night. Like an author signing her painting or, or a sculptor chiseling his name at the base of his statue, God deserves all the credit for being the divine artist that he is. Rather than worshiping God's creation in any of its form, we can turn to the creator as our focus. Friends, if if we want to thrive, then uh, then we learn that honoring God means seeing his fingerprints wherever we are. Honor is how we show that our beliefs and our actions are aligned together. And we've got to be careful to give the Lord all the credit 
Give him all the glory and honor due him for everything in creation. I mean, let's be mindful of his warning to the people of Israel after they left Egypt. In Deuteronomy, it says, be very careful. You did not see the Lord's form on the day he spoke to you from the uh, heart from the heart of the fire at Mount Zion. So do not corrupt yourselves by making an idol in any form. And then just in case the people were a little bit confused about what he was talking about, he gave some examples. Scripture goes on to say, whether of a man or a woman, an animal on the ground, a bird in the sky, a small animal that scurries along the ground or a fish in the deepest sea. And when you look up into the sky and you see the sun, moon, and stars, all the forces of heaven, don't be seduced into worshiping them. And then if we drop down to verse 33, it says, so be careful not to break the covenant the Lord your God has made with you. Do not make idols in any shape or form, for the Lord your God has forbidden this. The Lord your God is a devouring fire. He is a jealous God. Now maybe you assume that this passage isn't relative for for you and for me today. I mean, it was to the Israelites thousands of years ago. But that kind of conclusion would be mistaken because the temptation to practice idolatry still remains as strong today as ever in human nature. I'm starting your notes now if you're following along with your notes. Be careful you're not chasing idols. Now, we may not be tempted to form a, a golden calf and to worship it like the children of Israel did in the desert, but we still confront the urge to make gold our God, whether literally or figuratively. Every time we allow greed, envy, and comparison to fuel our pursuit of money in order to buy more, borrow more, be more, we're chasing idols. Now, those things aren't bad in themselves. I just want you to know that. Because I, I said, when we allow greed, envy, and comparison to fuel that. Every time we define ourselves by status symbols or bank balances, rather than the truth of our identity in Christ, we're bowing before other gods. God is a jealous God. Some people are uncomfortable with the fact that the Lord our God is a jealous God, especially when his jealousy is described as a consuming fire. It conjures up ideas of human jealousy gone to the extreme. It's a good thing, though, to remember God's jealousy. Why? Because it underscores his passionate pursuit of us his eternal love for us, and his priceless sacrifice on the cross. There was only one thing powerful enough 
to motivate God's willingness to allow his beloved son to come to the earth in the form of a human being, face persecution and humiliation, to slow, die a slow, excruciating death filled with torturous pain. One thing, and that's his love. That's his love. Now, we tend to use that word so often that it becomes so familiar that the potency of its message gets diluted. But think about John 3.16. I mean, we can just rattle that off on top of our head. Most of us can. But John 3.16 distills the essence of the gospel very efficiently. For this is how God loved the world. Think about that statement. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God made us with the freedom to choose whether we would love him in return or not. And despite our sinful rebellion, the fullness of his love is still available to us. Wow. That's the power behind love, friends. We didn't deserve the gift of grace. The gift that Jesus paid for at Calvary. Here's what Paul said in Romans 5.8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Considering such an illogical, irrational, irresponsible, or irreversible, I'm sorry, irreversible, perfect love. There's only one way to show our gratitude, and that's to honor him with the gift of our lives. We say, Lord, take me. I'm all yours. I'm all yours. Hallelujah. So let's talk about some tangible ways to honor God. You see, honor is a concept that has lost some of its power in our modern language. This is partly because its meaning by, is by definition general and abstract rather than specific and concrete. What demonstrates honoring God is best understood as a practice by an an active lifestyle, we exercise honor. By an active lifestyle, we exercise honor. Rather than as a concept, what I'm talking about here is it's walking the talk and putting our faith in action and our money where our ministry is. Throughout the Bible, honor stands as a pillar of foundational strength, commitment, and devotion to our, our faith in God. He alone is worthy of the highest respect and adoration and esteem that we can offer. Do you remember what, what was going on in heaven in Revelation when John wrote what he saw? It was angels circling around the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor 
and power. You know, we, we could still be singing that last chorus between now until Jesus comes, however long that will be. And we wouldn't have sang it as much as what the angels in heaven are singing right now. Hallelujah. For you created all things, they said, and they exist because you created what you pleased. This is the posture of our hearts in our relationship to him. It's not just a, a one-time offering or an occasional acknowledgement. In other words, you can't honor God by going to church just one time a week or saying a prayer before you eat. Your life and your lifestyle are intertwined just as your beliefs and practice of those beliefs go hand in hand. Honoring God reveals itself in every detail of your day. You, you can't go and, and be honoring God one moment and then decide, well, I'm not going to honor God right now, and then go back to honoring him. No, it's got to be an an all-day, every-day, every-moment affair. So do, do you seek to put him first? Do, do you follow the Spirit's guidance, or do you sway away, uh, sway to pull some of, to some of your sensual appetites? I'll, t I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's take an inventory, all right? Do you honor God with your thoughts? And with your words. Do you honor him at home and at work? Do you honor him when you're alone and when you're with a crowd? Do you honor him with your body and in your relationships? Do you honor him in your marriage and in your family? In addition to honoring God first, we're commanded in the Bible to honor certain people, including our fathers and our mothers, elders and rulers, church leaders, and others who faithfully serve Jesus. God also instructs us to honor certain divinely ordained institutions, including marriage and the Sabbath rest. Honoring these through godly obedience goes beyond cultural and social, historical customs and trends. The Lord established these relationships and institutions for his purposes and their significance remains eternal. We honor these by obeying God's instructions. Jesus said, if you love me, follow what I say, obey me. We need to value his instructions as he values them. Nothing more, nothing less. When, we, when the word honor appears in our English translation of the scriptures, it comes from a Hebrew word which means a sense of respect and appreciation. Overall, though, it carries the sense of how much you, you think something is worth. It's quality. It's value. Honor can also express something earned as well as something given. God desires the honor, our honor, 
as more than just a special acknowledgement or a token gesture. His, his loving kindness, his grace, mercy, and blessings extend to our past, our present, and our future. How do we know that? Because he says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loves you and we need to honor him. There's no way that we could ever repay the Lord for all he's done for us. At best, we can only do what he's created us to do. And that's fulfilling our purpose for his kingdom out of our love and devotion and gratitude toward him. This is the secret to thriving in its simplest form, its purest form. When we do what God designed us to do, then we will experience the peace, passion, and purpose that brings true contentment. It won't be enough, though, no matter how much we desire to honor him by becoming a living sacrifice, we... I probably read that wrong. That should be up on that statement there. We got to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice daily. We, we, and we're going to encounter obstacles along the way. But every obstacle that we encounter, we can just know there's a silver lining. And what's that silver lining? It's, it's the obstacle that is getting in our way will send us back to God as we rely on his spirit for the power to overcome whatever's happening in our lives. Now, next week, we're going to continue on the thought of honoring God. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially to spread the gospel further, please go to c3outlet.com give. Have a great week. We hope to see you next week.